This is the Empowered Athlete Podcast, episode 27. We're here today with Bridget Laquette. She's the first First Nations athlete selected to play on the Canadian women's national hockey team, and she became an Olympian. She has tons of grit and has persevered through bullying, racism, getting cut, and she's even quit alcohol to make her dreams come true. We're thrilled to speak with her today. We are on to a new 30-day challenge and we're so excited about it. This month's is Mindful March. So we are stepping into our self-awareness and the awareness of others. And here's how you can choose your own adventure if you want to participate. Yes is the answer. In Mindful March, we will meditate daily, do yoga weekly, and gratitude journaling daily. And it would be listing three things you're grateful for. We will also do an act of kindness towards ourselves or towards others on a daily basis in this challenge. And of these four options, if you want in, you can do some or all of them. You can't just do the weekly yoga. You got to do some of the other ones too, the daily stuff. That's why it's a 30-day challenge. So Paul and I will be doing all of them and I'll be posting helpful tips in our uh, email that we send out. So if you want to be part of the 1230 challenge, all you have to do is sign up. There's a link in the show notes. And when you do that, you're going to get little helpful tips from us, like the apps we use, like our struggles and our successes along the way. And you'll also learn about the new challenges that are coming up. So we can't wait to have you join us in this 30 day challenge. We believe in natural products for ourselves and our family. That's right. I'm an essential oil addict. Paul, on the other hand, is a closet oil user. All joking aside, essential oils have allowed a higher level of health in our home. From bug repellent and cleaning to wound care, and with five kids in four different schools, flu prevention. doTERRA essential oils are the only oils we use due to the highest quality and worldwide ethical sourcing. I have pretty high standards, as most of you know. My oils need to be consistent and work. For information on DIY recipes, go to mydoterra.com slash Kari Schneider. That's mydoterra.com slash Kari Schneider. And if you want me to come teach a wellness class for you, reach out to me at ks at empowerconditioning.com. That's ks at empowerconditioning.com. Welcome to the Empowered Athlete Podcast, created to support athletes in their pursuit of excellence and inspire others toward their best lives. Hosted by Kari Schneider, coach to top performers in sport and life, and Paul Durden, former national and professional volleyball player. Hello, everyone. The Empowered Athlete Podcast is back, and we have another Olympian joining us today from the women's national hockey team. She's played with that squad for over 10 years, 10 years already, and she's only 26 years old. It's Bridget Laquette. So happy to have you on the show with us today, and thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you, guys. I'm pretty excited about this. Right on. And yeah, we're, we're go ahead. I was going to say, really so to every, yeah, we're glad to have you. And, and we're chatting a little bit before, and just so everyone knows, listening at home, we're all very comfortable because we're in closets across the country right now. <laughs> Bridget's in her closet in Calgary, and Kari's in our bedroom closet here in London, Ontario, and I have the bed, actually. We're, we're trying to get all the best sound quality. It's perfect. Uh, absolutely. It's perfect. So, Bridget, we're, we're really glad to have you, and, and aside from all of us in our coziest places in our houses. Um, what what you're you're a really decorated hockey player you've been at this for a really long time you've won all kinds of medals from world championships to the holy grail of women's hockey which is that medal at the olympics it's not it wasn't the gold at that particular olympics but it was a beautiful thing still um but what uh, what got you into hockey in the first place? Take us back when you started and tell us a little bit about how you got into things and how it progressed. Because for so many young players, they they play, but they you know to go through what you went through is a whole a whole nother matter. 
Yeah, well, I guess just to start off, I, I, I grew up in Mallory, Manitoba. Um, I'm identified from both my uh, home, commun home community of Mallard and uh, my reserve, which is in Saskatchewan, which is Cody First Nation. Um, Before you go on, though, give people an idea of, like, I know how far north that is, yeah. having lived some of the places I lived, but, I mean, <laughs> give listeners who are, maybe they're listening from the States, maybe they're listening in other parts of Canada, give listeners a sense of where that really is and what it's really like. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, was just getting there. Um, I actually, I grew up in Mallory, Manitoba, which is four hours North of Winnipeg. Um, so basically it's kind of in the middle of Manitoba. Um, you know, Mallard is a community of, I think it was like a hundred people when I grew up there and now it's maybe around 50 or 60. So, you know, oh. there's not a lot going on there. And, um, uh, pretty much like I guess you know growing growing up in, in such a small community you know there was you know challenges that you had to face and and overcome and you know for starters I grew up with eczema um, so uh, you know that's kind of one of the first things I had to overcome was you know getting bullied for it you know getting made fun of not having a lot of friends in school just because of you know I had a skin condition I couldn't control so mm -hmm. you know I was different and you know I struggled I struggled with it for years and mm -hmm. this is kind of where, you know, I started to find um, my love for sport. And this is kind of where hockey came in because, you know, once I just, you know, once I always, I love sports growing up, I played every sport possible, but, you know, there was just something about hockey that I loved. And, you know, through that, you know, through getting bullied and, you know, obviously that, that helped me develop a thick skin and whatnot. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. but you know, there's just something about hockey where I could just go out there and I can spend hours on the outdoor rink. I was terrible when I first started, but you know, I, I could spend hours out there, you know, stick handling and shooting and, and just get lost out on the ice. So that was kind of my escape, um, through that. And did that, did that feel like a sense of freedom away from all the other things that you would deal with? 100%. And that's exactly, uh, you know, that's what hockey was for me. It was kind of an escape. Because, you know, being out there on the ice gave me so much confidence. Yeah, growing up, I lacked confidence. And, you know, there was a point where I couldn't even, like, <laughs> talk to people because I just had no confidence whatsoever. And I was so shy. And, you know, I was just so shy of, you know, my eczema and, you know, ashamed of it. And, you know, there was just, there was a point where, you know, even my sister would, like, my sister is a year older than me. So I have a sister named Tara. And uh, we played yeah. on every hockey team growing up. And then I have a younger brother named Taryn. And, Tara was with me throughout, you know, basically every, uh, every hockey team that I played on and in school. And she's pretty much my only friend. And, uh, oh. she, she was like, when people would talk to me, like she would answer for me. Like that's how shy I was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's just kind of where, you know, hockey came in and hockey kind of gave me that confidence where, you know, I'd be on the, on the ice and I'd be like a totally different person. You know, I would, I would talk and I would, you know, joke around with people. And it was just like, it was just, you know, free. It was, it was free. Almost like the real you could come out that just didn't, couldn't in the other scenarios. <laughs> yeah. How, I, I, how was hockey organized in such a small community? Because with that small of a, a town, how did you did you go to surrounding communities where did you go to play yeah so there actually wasn't um you know there's not a lot in Mallard there's a community office in the hall and uh mm -hmm. other than that just houses so even when we went to school we'd have to bus to the nearest community which is Waterhand um and how you'd get to Mallard is basically one gravel road in and one gravel road out same thing mm -hmm. and uh you know it's just this place is in the middle of nowhere you know it's uh you know, four, four hours north of Winnipeg, there's no cell service there. I mean, we got Wi-Fi about 10 years ago. So, um, you know, it's just like, <laughs> that was, that's it, right? So uh, not a lot happening there. Um, so we actually, when I started playing hockey, um, we, my dad put, registered me in the nearest minor hockey association, which was Winnipeg Osis. So that was about, I'd say about a 50 minute drive, five zero from Mallard yeah. to Winnipeg Osis one way. And, wow. yeah. uh, you know, he, he did that multiple times a week and that's kind of, and we did that since I was five years old. It's, it's one of those things that, um, we hear over and over again, that the parents are such a key part in any of these successes. Like 
this you you look back and you just know that this couldn't have happened without somebody a parent who is supporting you that consistently and and you know that passionately yeah it's pretty it's pretty wild even you know to this day I still don't know how they made it work um wow yeah it was you know I started playing hockey I actually had to beg my dad to put me into hockey uh, you know my 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 <laughs> chum which is my grandpa uh yeah. so my chum would always ask me he'd be like are you sure you want to play like no it's it's rough out there <laughs> and yeah. every time and I'm like yeah I love it he's like why do you like hockey I was like I just love I love being out there and uh you know I actually had to beg my dad to put me in the hockey and he finally bought me my first pair of skates and I kind of just you know went from there um but yeah I played boys hockey uh right until I was 16 and then I started playing boys and girls hockey from I guess when I turned 11 years old from 11 to 16, I played both boys and girls hockey. Wow. And when in that, when in that period did it maybe dawn on you or dawn on one of your coaches that you were a bit of a special talent and that there was something there that might need to be groomed and. Yeah. Honestly, I think it might've been when I, I was a Bantam when I was in a Bantam age player. So I think that's like 13, 14, maybe um you know growing up in such a small community um I guess just to rewind back through through my years of hockey um you know I've I've kind of you know I grew up in with there was a lot of indigenous communities surrounding me so you know one of the very first times is kind of another obstacle that I, I had to overcome was you know which is racism I faced that um and you know one of the very first times I went to Winnipeg I got into like the shoving match with this girl in the corner and she had she had called me a dirty Indian you know we're coming we're shoving out of the corner and she said get off me dirty Indian and that's kind of what what age were you for this when that happened when was it I can't honestly it was my first year summer hockey I just can't remember when my first year was (laughs) I just know, yeah, it was like the one of my very first tournaments in Winnipeg. Wow. So I'll have to. So maybe like around 12, maybe around. Yeah, could have, yeah, 11 or 12. Yeah. And so I got shopping matches. She called me a dirty Indian and whatnot, skating up the ice. And that kind of shocked me. So she, she said that I didn't know how to react, you know, for first, you know, I'm a crier. So I cried and I was just yeah. like, I didn't know what to do. It made me angry. I had every emotion possible. And I came to the bench and luckily my dad was one of the coaches. And, you know, he asked me what was wrong. He could try to get it out of me. And then finally I told him because I didn't even want to repeat it. And, you know, he told me something that, you know, stuck with me, you know, to this day. And, you know, he told me to beat them on the ice and, you know, beat, beat them on the ice, meaning, yeah. you know, just be so focused on yourself and, you know, getting better and, you know, being your best self so that when they say yeah. things like that to you, it doesn't matter because, you know, you'll be winning in the long run. So from that point on, that's kind of when, you know, I decided that this is, you know, I love hockey. I'm not going to let anything stop me from, you know, you know, name calling and whatnot. I'm not going to let that stop me from reaching my goals. And um, that's kind of when I started to, I guess that's kind of when I started to take it, like, I guess, seriously. And, uh, you know, I, I got better and I improved my skills. And it was probably not around till Bantam age is where uh, my dad got approached by, it was Wally Kozak. And he was just, he was like, just watching the, <laughs> the Bantam challenge in, in Manitoba there. And uh, he gave him my dad, my dad, he gave my dad his card and he said some things to him, honestly. I, I, uh, I honestly don't remember, but I just remember my dad telling me, he's like, yeah, like this guy gave me, gave me his card and it was Wally's, Wally's card. So I thought that was pretty cool. Something I'll definitely not forget. And, um. At that point, did you, were you aware that there were other options for you as a female hockey player? Like, was that even on your radar at that point or was it all kind of a Kind of, but not really, I guess, at this point. I know we had a a couple of girls in our surrounding areas that had went division one and, you know, they played on Team Manitoba. So that I thought that was, you know, pretty cool. There was one girl that grew up in Winnipeg, just in the minor hockey association that I was with. Her dad was actually a Zamboni driver. And I uh, went down and played, uh, she went down and played in the States. She played at St. Cloud. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought that was, you know, pretty cool. And then that's kind of when I, you know, it opened my eyes a little bit. And maybe the the little taste of, oh, maybe there could be something more. And, and that inkling of, of 
a, a vision of a dream that could come. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I came from, uh, you know, my family didn't have a lot of money. So, you know, to have that, uh, that as an option, I guess it was kind of like, but my sister, like our goal was to, you know, play in the States, you know, get a scholarship to the States. That was kind of something that we always talked about. And you had your older sister and you had a younger brother? Yes. Yeah. And, and they, your sister was playing hockey too. What about your brother? Yeah, he played, he played hockey as well. Uh, he started when he was, he was four. He actually, uh, so he went up and played midget AAA in uh, Manitoba, and then he played uh, junior A for four years. How did your parents even handle all that? Like they, yeah, that's intense. To be honest with you, I have no idea how they made it work. Um, but you know, I come from a, I had come from a really big family. So, so did you my, have some aunts and uncles? And yes, some grandparents yes. helping drive and stuff because otherwise, it, it's just we we have kids and they're all in sports and we just know what it. But, takes it can be all consuming especially in your after work hours it can take them all up yeah yeah it was honestly it was crazy so I had a a lot of uncles that you know would offer to drive us they uh to come from such a small community and have that much support for my family you know it was was pretty amazing and you know growing up you know again we didn't have a lot of money my dad was a bus driver and then my mom decided to go my parents had us young. So my parents got married in 1920 and then they, they had us like 20, 21. And so then we didn't yeah. have, you know, they, they didn't finish the, you know, they didn't get their um, college degree then. But then my mom, when we, when I started going, uh, playing hockey, my mom went back to school uh, to get an education degree to be a teacher. So she was traveling, constantly traveling back and forth from Mallard to Dauphin, which is an hour and 10 minutes one way. Mm-hmm. So she did that every day for five years and got her degree. And then what did that, what did that teach you? What did, what did you learn from just watching that? (laughs) You know, she's, she was, she's amazing. She's an amazing person. And she worked so hard uh, just to, you know, I guess just give us a better life too. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that would, uh, you know, that gave us, uh, I guess, more of an opportunity really, you know, to, to play on these traveling teams and whatnot. And even to this day, I still honestly don't know how they made it work you know, what they did. And, uh, honestly, truly grateful for that. Do you think that that might've been one of your first examples of, of really not giving up and settling and just continuing to persevere? 100%. And, you know, the the things I've learned from my parents is, you know, I'm honestly, I'm truly grateful for that and all their hard work and, uh, you know, I honestly, to this day, it still blows my mind, to, you know, to how, you know, my sister ended up going to play college hockey. I played college hockey. My brother played junior A and, you know, how they all made that work. It's, it's honestly amazing to come from mm-hmm. such a small community as like Mallard, Manitoba. Um, did, but, uh, so I was going to say, did you feel obviously now at the age of 26, you're acutely aware of the dedication and sacrifices they made to support you and your siblings and you know your quest and joy through playing hockey but at the time were you aware of that commitment if you were did you feel additional pressure to deliver to to make it worthwhile in your mind was there any thoughts of that nature or was it were you just playing for the love of the game or or did that (laughs) creep in honestly it's like they're they're doing all of this for me I better I better not waste it or exactly (laughs) yeah I think that's kind of always in the always in the back of my mind um but I knew that I didn't want to spend you know I love I love where I grew up I love my roots and uh but I knew that I didn't want to there's not a lot of opportunity in Mallard so I knew that I wanted to eventually get out of that and I didn't want to spend the rest of my life there so you know, I, I was kind of part of that and the drive to, you know, to just be the best I can be. And, you know, I found, I found hockey and, you know, I loved it. And, and I was passionate. I was still passionate for it. And, you know, I, I, I love it. And, you know, I do it because it's fun and not just because I have to. And, uh, you know, again, like it was kind of, I loved hockey. I fell in love with hockey because, you know, I loved how I, how freeing it was and how I felt on the ice. And that's kind of something that, you know, I never never will never forget a a lot of a lot of athletes 
who have come from some of the scenarios that you've described. So for instance, the racism or being bullied, a lot of athletes find their fuel and find their drive from trying to prove to people that they are worthwhile or that they're good or I'll show them. And that becomes a real fire within. Um, but it, in a way it, it almost, for some people, it ends up almost coming from hate instead of coming from the love of the game. It's more of a, it's almost the the flip side of the coin. Do you, did you ever go through a point where it was kind of that attitude of, Oh, I can't stand them. I'll show them. Or, or did it do, do you think it was both the love of the game and proving something to someone? Or do you think it was um, one or the other? To be honest with you, I think it was hating to lose. <laughs> Mm, that's such a common factor on this day like we, <laughs> the best of the best that's the thing we hear probably the most consistently and, and, and I'm married to that person right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so funny because you know that's exactly what it is you know I hate losing and I've always been such so competitive throughout my entire life I'd be in gym class and I've always been wanting to win whatever it like, yeah. takes yeah. whatever it takes kind of thing so you know I've always been this way and it's kind of I think that's um, it has helped me along the way, you know, and it's kind of given me that drive to, to, you know, to win and, you know, to be the best I can be. Where do you think that comes from? Definitely my dad. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no hesitation. Yeah, yeah. 100% yeah. my dad. It's always, <laughs> even when he would coach us, he would always help. I hate losing. <laughs> so yeah. like, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, at least, well, only, there's only the losses to when when you know you should have been beat you know what I mean there's there's a difference between the loss of when you know you should have won but when you know you didn't deserve to win that's a whole nother feeling than when you know you deserve to win and you still didn't win and yeah they're both bad but yeah okay take us forward what was it like you you worked through and how did you get to that point where you were at that U18 national team level? Yeah. Um, actually, it was, uh, when was it? It was, I was like, it must have been 15. Um, I had gotten cut from Team Manitoba that year. Uh, I went in as a, you know, in grade nine, um, a year younger than everyone else. And, you know, I just, I didn't have a good camp. I was, I was awful, to be honest with you. But, you know, they ended up taking my sister that year. So my sister was a goalie. So my sister ended up making and I ended up getting cut. And oh, that was, man, that's yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. And obviously I was happy for my sister, but I was also, you know, I hated that. I, I was, I was crushed because yeah. I didn't, you know, I wasn't good enough to make this team. And so it, Nationals was in Kitchener that year. And uh, so my sister ended up going. And I remember like it was the longest week of my life because you know, I did everything with her and she was gone to nationals and I was just kind of stuck at home. And, you know, when I found out that I didn't make that team, there was just like something inside me that I didn't like the way I felt and I didn't yeah. want to feel that feeling again. So I you know it's sat like my dad and I sat down and we talked and, you know, he was honest with me. He told me that I didn't have a good camp anyway. And then I have to get, you know, there's certain things I have to do to, to, to be better kind of thing. So yeah, uh, ultimately it was, you know, it's my fitness level at that point. And, um that was kind of something that you know I you know I worked on you know I the entire year that was kind of what drove me was that you know I'm going to spend an extra you know a few minutes on the ice working on different types of skills and um you know I'm just going to go for runs like things like that and mm-hmm. uh you know there wasn't a lawn mower so basically our only option was pretty much to haul wood and go for runs <laughs> so yeah um, yeah so I basically, that's what I did, shot a lot of pucks and, you know, I'd always spend an extra 15, 20 minutes on the ice after practice. And, you know, there was a one point where my dad, he was like, you know, he's like, you need to work on your footwork on the blue line. So then he would rim the puck to me and I would start in the middle, middle of the blue line. And then I would go and pick it up, try pick it up with one hand and bring it as fast as I can to the middle of the ice and I'd shoot it. So I do that uh-huh. over and over and over and over again. I must have done that for weeks. And uh, <laughs> so it's just different it's things like that. It's burned into your memory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah. So it's just things like that. And uh, that's just an example. And so, yeah. So then so I did that. And um, I ended up getting an invite um, in that, that May of that year. 
at my sister went to nationals and then well a few months later we had the the invite so they actually hockey canada couldn't get a hold of us because we lived in mallard and they didn't really have our you know our address or anything like that um so i was at the national aboriginal hockey championships in sault Ste. marie with uh team manitoba and amber lesage um approached us because she's from yeah. garden, she's from garden river uh just yeah, outside yeah. of sault Ste. marie so she had, uh, had approached us i still remember that you know she had invited us to you know to come to the u18 camp and my sister and i and she was my sister was super pumped and i was just like well that's cool (laughs) (laughs) and i noticed that i just don't get excited for things (laughs) oh you play cool just play cool (laughs) so my sister was like called my dad the next thing and then uh, we didn't even have passports, so we had to get our passports done. So as soon as we finished at the National Aboriginal Hockey Championships, we bussed back from Sault Ste. Marie to Winnipeg. And then uh, I, that day that my dad picked us up, we went and got our passports done and got all the forms filled out. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah, they were they were super pumped, my sister and my dad. Um, still, I don't think it's set in, to be honest. Uh, yeah. So anyways, I ended but up But getting... you, also, you also didn't really know what to expect. Like, it's a whole different... It's, it's so different than what you'd experienced thus far far and maybe your sister had had a bit of a taste but you know you didn't know what to what to think I imagine at that point oh that's exactly it too (laughs) you know this was kind of um ended up you know preparing for camp and we had the May testing and um at that point we had a July testing so it was you know, went to How was that first testing? It was awful. I know. <laughs> I was just say. That was a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. I remember waking up and just being, as soon as I woke up, I'd be nervous. All oh, day. yeah. Just nervous all day until I went to bed. And then that would be my break from being nervous. And then I still had, you know, for like four days, as long as camp ran. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was even the first time I went on a plane, like when I went to May camp. Oh, <laughs> so oh dear. so it was all just you know everything was just hitting me at once. But you overwhelmed, know, deer, deer in headlights, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, ended up ended up passing May May testing or whatever, and then went to summer camp, and then we had the inter squad games, and my sister and I were on, on different teams, and uh, this was in July, and then we found out. I think it was like the next week or the week after if we made the series or not because we had a three-game series against the U.S. and uh, that's a bit of a nerve-wracking time because you put so much in but then you still don't know whether you're moving on yeah and I had no idea how I did at camp I was you know I'm still so like I'm very hard on myself so I just still like you know if I had a good game I don't really know that (laughs) or you're not accepting it yeah maybe (laughs) yeah um but anyway, we ended up, uh, I ended up finding out that I was, I made the team. So I was going to Lake Placid, but my sister didn't make the team. So that was, you know, that was kind of oh crushing. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, through that entire year, ended up, we ended up going to the series. Um, and then I ended up making Team Manitoba for the first time <laughs> that next year. And then I ended up making the U18 Worlds team. And, I, you know, it was honestly just a, a great experience kind of a blur but at the same time you must have felt like you're on top of the world yeah I honestly when I found out I ended up when I went to um nationals that year I ended up getting top defenseman of the tournament and uh you know I was on top of the world then because I was just like what like I I couldn't believe it really because there were so many good defensemen like this is same time when you know Fortino was in the you know Fortino was in the mix and you know it's like all these great defensemen yeah yeah um but yeah no it was it was it was great and then I ended up making the U18 um uh the U18 team for the first time so that was that was pretty cool with players like Laura Fortino did you connect with them right away like how because you're in those camp situations especially when you're young you're you're getting to know new players for or um other players for the first time and having to find that chemistry what was that like for you Honestly, I'm very shy when I when I first meet people. And back then, ten years ago, I was you know wasn't talking at all. <laughs> well, I, so. I I mean I I worked with the team for three years, and and you and I had very few interactions. <laughs> Paul's like, what she's like, what she like? I'm like, well, 
didn't talk um, that much. Didn't talk that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I talk more now. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. It's, it's night yeah. and day. No, that's, but like, it's one of those things that it's almost like you don't know what you're missing um, until you it, until you find your own voice. And it's almost taken the journey you've gone through and the experiences you've had to find your voice, to get the confidence, to have the kind of freedom in real life that you had as as a younger athlete on the ice. That was your only freedom. And now it's almost like you've emerged to have this freedom. Uh, in so many other places besides just on the ice yeah I've definitely I've definitely come a long way <laughs> do you do you feel like hockey has been that for you and the things you've gone through have been that um that transformation for you to have more of a voice yeah 100 percent. you know um I guess as soon as you know everything that I've been through honestly I'm kind of you know I'm, I'm grateful that I, I went through all of that you know all the hardships and um the ups and downs and it's just you know that kind of you know molded me into the, the person I am today and you know getting cut from all these teams and you know that's definitely it's you know I've learned a lot about myself and uh I guess just you know when, once I made the Olympic team that was kind of that's kind of when I really had my platform to, to be able to share my story and and speak to kids and over the past year has been you know I've had such a I had this past year has been, has flown by, you know, it was honestly, I blinked in all since now. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, just because I've been traveling so much and, you know, I, I've, you know, the Olympics and in Team Canada and hockey has given me that platform to be able to share my story and, and inspire youth. And that's kind of what I've been doing over the past uh, 12 months. For, well, you, for you young... mentioned, I was going to say, you mentioned getting cut and the highs and the lows. So, uh, obviously it was quite a ride up to making the U18 squad. You guys were silver in 2009, 2010, you won gold. And, you know, you have that incredible experience. At what point did you set your sights on? When did you decide you wanted to be in the Olympics? Because that had to have obviously come into the picture somewhere in that phase. When did that come into the picture? And what was that process like going up to it? And maybe let our listeners know what happened. Uh, leading up to Sochi. Yeah. So, you know, obviously that's kind of when at first, you know, when I got the invite to the U18 team, that's kind of when it set in. I was like, okay, this is like the first step. And, um, you know, it's just the first step to, you know, reaching my ultimate goal. So I made the U18 team for the first couple of years, um, got invited to travel for the U22 team, made that team. Um, and then I ended up uh, going to the University of Manitoba first. Um, decided that you know that program wasn't for me and this that experience wasn't for me and uh, played I think maybe six games there and then um, had transferred I've always wanted to go to the University of Minnesota Duluth uh, always you know I've I look kind of I looked up to Josh Barak and uh, Carolyn Lillette and you know they had such a great program there and I've heard nothing but good things so that's kind of you know something that you know that's a place kind of where I wanted to go and uh, when I was um, you know, I've, uh, that's kind of where, that's when I called up, uh, I think it was Laura Schuler at the time. Mm-hmm. It was Schuler or it, it might've been Shannon and, um, you know, just basically asking them if they had a spot open for me and they said 100% we do. And I ended up transferring <laughs> down there, uh, to, to play at UMD. So I had three years of eligibility there. Um, did my freshman year and then my sophomore year and I made the U22 team my sophomore year and went to Germany. And that's kind of when it, um, I didn't, honestly, I, I knew that I was kind of, you know, I was on my way to the Olympic team, but I didn't know it was going to happen so quick. And if it, it flies by, like the, a quad flies by like crazy, it's especially crazy. when you're going from school to school and experiencing new teams and transitioning and then boom, like the time is just a blink. <laughs> yeah. It went by, it went by so quick. So. I ended up, it was my sophomore year at UMD and um, it was after season. I got this call and it was, I think it was after their worlds. I got a call from uh, Dan Church, you know, inviting me to try out for, you know, be centralized, asked me to be, if you wanted to be centralized with the Olympic team. 
And to be honest with you, I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> Looking back, and you probably would have said no if you knew how, how bad centralization. Yeah, is. I don't think they actually tell anyone what it involves. No, yeah. no. <laughs> politely declined. It's great, no. we're all together. It's all good. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was awesome. I just I, I just didn't know it was going to happen that quick, and I didn't even know I was in the running for you know to to be centralized. So when I got that call, I was just like, yeah, like for sure, like one hundred percent. Thank you for the for asking or whatever. And ended up calling my dad. My dad was super pumped, and I was actually with two of my best friends from college at the time when we were out for sushi. And uh, yeah, he ended up calling, and it was it was crazy. And anyway, so I ended up getting centralized um I didn't honestly had no idea what to expect I didn't know what any of this was I knew that we were going to camp um yeah we we're doing fitness testing that's all because I've only done fitness fitness testing and yeah. doing fitness testing then we had a like a three-week camp after that and we were going to Penticton and I had no idea that we were living in houses and I had no idea that we had oh cars to drive around in and just nothing like I had I knew no one on this team yeah. And I made I played with Pooh and Fortino and Jenner and U eighteens and that was it. Yeah. So I um ended up getting centralized and went to camp, did the fitness testing, went to Penticton, that's kinda when everything was starting to, you know, become real. And again, got there, didn't know what to expect. The first day we got there, we did like this bike, the scavenger hunt bike throughout yeah. Penticton. And that was just a <laughs> terrible experience for me to start off with, just because I didn't even know how to use a mountain bike. So I'm here, like, I don't even know how to switch my gears. Uh, and yeah. so I'm biking through this, and I'm just, I, I was just, you know, wasn't oh, prepared that was, for this. That was a bad, bad day. That was before I was at camp, and I heard all sorts of horrible things about that first ride, because people were like almost lost and all the, the, there were way more hills than what was expected and people were out there for way too long. And yeah, it was, it wasn't pretty. It was crazy. And I remember just going first time I went up a mountain and I didn't think I was going to make it. Mm -hmm. That was the first day. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up, you know, getting the hang of it, you know, learning how to switch my gears and when to use my gears and that was kind of you know it took me about a week to figure that out but eventually and did. then you can't you can't walk after that anyway because you've no. been on the bike for 60k or something for yeah. the first time in your life yeah yeah so the, the boot camp was was quite the experience um honestly still can't believe I, I went through that <laughs> yeah and yeah. uh you know we did so much biking there at that camp and you know we had the when we had the team activities on the Saturdays, the group bikes. And uh, when I was telling my family about that, it just seemed like they didn't, you know, they couldn't believe it. <laughs> I yeah. was like, I'm yeah. not lying. Like it was like, we biked a hundred, hundred kilometers. <laughs> yeah. The first week. No, and, and it's not, it's not flat road. It's, it's, it's dirt, gravel up and down. Yeah. Yeah. That's what people don't understand. <laughs> so it's not just a flat go of it. Yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. And, um, you know, even just to be at a camp, you know, I didn't even know, you know, I couldn't even believe that I was on this, like, trying out for the same team and on the same team as, you know, Haley Wickenizer and Gina Hefford and Carolyn Ouellette. And it was just, it was crazy. It was, I, you know, I, um, yeah, looking back on it, I just, I couldn't even believe I was there. <laughs> and, it's almost like that, that imposter syndrome where people, start to go wait a second I don't belong here this isn't this isn't me this isn't who I am yet everything you've done everything you've worked for does show that you belong there and that you do deserve to be there and that that's that's where you that's who you are yeah it's uh it's pretty crazy and you know to be honest with you I I, I wasn't prepared for that centralization and mm -hmm. you know I honestly um, you know, I, I, that's one of the things I look back on and I've learned from it one completely. Um, but, you know, going in as a, you know, it's coming off my sophomore year and, you know, you, you just party in college pretty much. So it was kind of something that, you know, that's kind of what I did. That was my thing. And, um, I remember when I went, it was like the second bike we did when we were at boot camp, and I was in the same group as, as Wickenizer, Wick. Mm -hmm. 
And there was a point where she was literally spiking beside me and pushing me up the mountain. She was pushing mm-hmm. my bike seat up the mountain. And and that's kind of when I reached, that was one of the first times I reached the point where I was like, I don't think I'm cut out for this. Mm, and, yeah. you know, I remember like, this is what it has to take, but like, this is what it takes. But like, I just don't think I'm, you know, I'm prepared for this. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, through that, you know, I don't think I was, you know, I was mentally ready, emotionally ready and, and physically ready for that boot camp and that centralization. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if I could go back and you know, obviously I would would redo it but you know I've learned I'm learned I've learned from that experience uh 100% and you know Tr- getting go ahead, go ahead yeah and, and just you know that leading up to you know I ended up getting cut uh that that year and you know that was hard on me it was it was hard because you know I I knew that I I, I just wasn't you know at the end of the day I just wasn't prepared for it and you know I didn't give it you know all I could give pretty much so So at at any point in that camp did you it's obviously a massive adjustment it's more training than you can imagine it's mentally draining it taxes you in every way and challenges you did you ever feel you belong that you had a shot that it was there and what did it feel like to be to have it taken away the dream you know like I felt like you know I felt like I had the skill to be there and but you know physically I just I wasn't I wasn't ready and you know mentally and I just um you know I there was times where you know I you know there was all the games that I played there I remember I was just like there was the first game I played and I was like okay this is not too bad but then as the season went on I was just like this is like tough Mm -hmm. this is like tough to do this every day and I wasn't it's the grind yeah yeah and you know i was also distracted by you know honestly anything else and you know having a social life and you know trying to have relationships here and there and it's just like it just i just wasn't focused at the t- on the task at hand and yeah. you know I ended up you know getting cut and you know didn't deserve didn't deserve to make that team and yeah. uh you know it was, it was hard on me it was hard on me to be told that i wasn't you know basically i wasn't good enough and mm-hmm. um you know i was what was it the top 28 but still you know it was super close but not and it was tough it was hard on me so since from when i got cut um i honestly i was considering like just quitting hockey um i didn't even know i had another year left in duluth and i didn't even know if i wanted to go back there was mm-hmm. like i reached a point where i was like do i, do I really like do i like this <laughs> like do i love this or you know just questioning myself and you know i've 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 reached, you know, low points, uh, you know, during that time. And I just, I was just trying to decide if I wanted to, I had to find the love of the game again. I was just trying to decide if what I wanted to do, you know, so I took like must have six months off and, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was honestly, it was bad and it was good, I guess, you know, it was bad because obviously I got super out of shape and, mm-hmm. um, but I I had found, you know, decided that, okay, I want to do this. You know, I had to, it's almost like I just had to reset or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back for my senior year. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stick with hockey. And, you know, I basically just find the love of the game again. And, uh, and that's what I did. And, you know, from there, I also, you know, obviously there's things that I had to learn along the way. And, um, you know, I, I loved having a social life and I loved partying. And it was just like, that's kind of something that, um I also had to over kind of I struggled with through college and uh year a couple years after college and so I ended up you know getting cut and then I was just trying to like have fun basically in my senior year and like not really caring just you know going there playing hockey and just that's pretty much what I was focused on and um you know looking back on it you know I would obviously I would redo that that part of my life but um, you know, I've learned from it 100%. And yeah, so through, from there, I ended up, um, since, you know, I ended up, I ended up quitting, quitting drinking from, so from when I was like in a college, I basically partied nonstop. And then 
cuffed. Do you think few... it was a coping message? Do you think it was a coping mechanism for when you wanted to numb certain feelings, or do you think it was a tool to help you feel more confident socially, or a combination of all of that? What was it for you? To be honest with you, I think it is like it was a combination of all of it. You know, it was yeah. just something that you know I'm. You know, I'm just, oh, I'm just going to go and, like, have fun, and I don't really care. Like, I'll just, you know, I'll just be good enough to just, you know, I'll just be good enough to make this team, and that's it, and just be satisfied with just that. Yeah. And, you know, and I was, and I don't know, <laughs> to be honest with you now, I don't know what I was thinking, but um, that's that's what my, I kind of my thought process was. And but then... Was it culture as well within the team, or was this outside of the the scope of the team? No, honestly, it's, you know, I think in college that usually you'd party a lot, but I was kind of more on the, I would, I feel like I'd be the one initiating it, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I would just deal with, with all of my problems and all of my issues. And I think that's what I would do. And that's how I would cope was with alcohol. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it kind of like gave me a, honestly, it gave me a sense of having confidence as well. Right. And um, I don't know, it was just, you know, I just I partied a lot. And, you know, after that, I ended up graduating college, I ended up coming to Calgary. And uh, again, I thought I could still I ended up making worlds that year uh, see with the senior team at that time. And, you know, I thought I could do both. I thought I could, you know, still party and then, you know, still train and, and make the team. And I ended up making worlds in Malmo um that year and then the next year I ended up making it in Kamloops and I didn't change a single thing I was just like oh, I'm just having fun with it like not a big deal like kind of you know I'm good enough to to be there kind of thing right but you know I wasn't um I didn't reach my potential I guess mm-hmm. and you know from that point um I you know obviously had I it became almost became like a problem I guess you know, just because I would be in this, you know, I'd be training with all the girls in Calgary here, but, you know, I honestly wouldn't even be there, um, you know, challenging them. Like I would just be there because I had to be there kind of thing and, yeah. and not, you know, not being true to myself and, and being a good teammate for them. Yeah. So in the time, yeah, you're not truly showing up, you're there, but you're not really in yeah. it to your best. Yeah. And, you know, looking back on that, obviously, you know, I had a lot to learn and, um so I reached I honestly I reached a point where I I just had enough like I was there was I always you know I was drinking during the week and you know I'd go to skills and I'd come into the gym and be like ah like I don't really like I'm tired today like I don't really be mid-season you know I just wouldn't you're in denial that the alcohol is affecting you at all and and all of that yeah and I was just like yeah, like, and I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be doing the full workout or something like that. And I just wouldn't be, uh, I guess, just wouldn't be reaching my full potential. And there was a point where we ended up going to a, there, we ended up going to a trip to Japan with our Inferno team. And that was the last time I drank was, was after, like, was that trip. And I, I got back from that trip and, you know, I was, you know, from that point and throughout my time that I was drinking like I had I I became a person where who I wasn't proud of mm-hmm. and I you know I looking back on it you know I became someone totally different than who you know I truly was you know and I would just treat people disrespectful and just not be you know a good person so um and I knew that that I I know I was starting to get asked to go speak to these communities but you know I didn't feel like I could truly you know, be that role model too, because you felt like a hypocrite. Yeah, exactly. And I couldn't, I couldn't do that because I wasn't true to myself. So, you know, I ended up coming back from Japan and, uh, you know, I ended up approaching Mel, um, and talk, you know, honestly told her I wanted to quit drinking and that I needed help. That must've been so hard. Yeah, it, yeah, it was pretty tough. Was so hard. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was on. It was pretty tough to do that, and I ended up. Um, so she ended up, you know, kind of working with me through that. Got a, you know, got a therapist. I talked to, you know, got, 
you know, kind of was talking to someone for, for quite a few months there. And then we ended up telling the, um, the coaching staff of the national team that, you know, what I wanted to do and what I, um, you know, what I want, like, basically that I want to change my lifestyle kind of thing. And it was actually Schuler, Laura Schuler was the head coach at the time. And she had oh, coached wow. me through college. So she knew, she knew, you know, what yeah, I was like. Your, your habits. Yeah. Yeah. And I told her that, you know, I'm, I want to quit drinking and I, I need help. And that was it. And, you know, obviously they were super supportive. You know, I had great friends, you know, I had, you know, Bailey and uh, Blair and Jess Campbell. And they were, you know, super mm-hmm. supportive of that. <clears throat> and not to mention the teammates as well. But, you know, it was, you know, it was having the support of them and, you know, having the support of my family. That was kind of something that had gotten me through it. But you're, you're so strong to, to reach out and amazing that you can recognize in yourself that pattern that wasn't true to who you wanted to be and who you not only for yourself, but for your community and as a role model, like you've said, and it's just so powerful to hear you describe uh, your strength and reaching out and sharing with others that there was an issue that you had. Well, Uh, because in a team environment, a lot of times everyone in that team, especially with the team that you're trying to play with, you know, showing any weakness, or perceive something that could be perceived as weakness can be, feel risky as a, a leap of, if, you know, if I talk about this, is this going to be my spot on the team? Am I going to be viewed differently? You know, it's uh, in a lot of circles, people simply won't bring up something like that because they're afraid for their position and their, their yeah. status within the team. Yeah. But it takes, it takes true courage. True courage comes in the face of vulnerability and, and that's where, that's where the transformation and all the real growth happens. So, you know, huge acknowledgement to you for being not only that courageous to go through it at the time, but also to have a voice about it and to continue to persevere and, and share your story. So that's, that's huge. Thank you. So, so how did you how was it after unloading that getting the help and growing and being accepted what did did you was it really tough at first did you feel like a new person yeah how did you how did you feel yeah honestly i was yeah i haven't i didn't really uh, i wasn't really open about it i was open with my close friends and and teammates obviously but you know i wasn't open about it just because you know i i needed to you know i i almost felt like i needed to prove it to myself and you know it was it was hard for me you know I've there was days where I was just like okay this is like now what do I do and I'm just finding things to you know fill my time and um you know I had Bailey as a roommate for the last few years and she's honestly one of my she's one of my best friends like a sister to me and um you know she had she had quit drinking with me for an entire year (laughs) for my first year and you know it was it was honestly just having support like that and, and just she's having... a rock star that's <laughs> awesome yeah that's so her that's so her <laughs> yeah so she was she was great about <laughs> she was awesome and honestly still can't believe that she did that and but it was great like it was just having that support from all of my friends and you know how much just seeing how much they cared was unbelievable so you know the first the first year was was hard um, I ended up getting centralized again, <laughs> and uh, at this time around, I knew that I didn't want to. I didn't want to mess things up, so it's kind of that was my priority. It was hockey, and um, you know, and through that entire year, it wasn't. It wasn't easy. I had my ups and downs. You know, I had my, I had my times where I was like, okay, like I think I'm gonna make this team. Like I think I, I think I can do it. And then there was times where I was like, I am not. Like I was brutal today. <laughs> You know, I had like so many up and ups and downs like that. And so many times where it was just like, it was because usually I would use alcohol to cope with, you know, hard times. So, you know, it was, it was tough in that way, but honestly having all the support from my friends and my teammates and, you know, they all knew everything that I've been through. So it was kind of, it was easier in in that way. Um, But, you know, when I made, you know, when I made the team, um it was one of the best you know best things that is you know that I've ever gone through just because you know it's just working my I guess just you know 
working my butt off for that past you know that year pretty much and you know and, knowing that you know I quit I quit drinking and I'm trying to change my lifestyle and I'm, I'm working at it and um you know for it to finally pay off it was it was pretty amazing um and how did how did it feel as well to you know you smash the barrier you're the first first nations athlete to make the women's national hockey team to represent us at the olympics did did that matter to you or was it more purely the personal achievement of going through the camp overcoming your obstacles was can you describe i think it you know what what it was like when you really found out that you were going it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I still remember walking into that room and I was shaking and sweating and all of these emotions. And then finally, you know, having the, you know, having the coach reach over and, and say congratulations on becoming an Olympian. That was, you know, something that I'll never forget. And, you know, I remember how excited and relieved, like I was so relieved <laughs> because I, like Bailey and I were, we were so nervous leading oh, yeah. up to that point. Yeah. Like, did she yeah. tell you that we went on a roller coaster ride when we were in Edmonton? Just does not feel <laughs> no. nervous for 30 seconds. Oh, wow. No, she didn't. No, it was two days before we were finding out, and we had a game in Edmonton against the U.S., and then we had a couple more league games, or another league game. And we had a day off oh. in Edmonton, and we were like, let's go to West Edmonton Mall. Okay, we want to go on the roller coaster. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Oh, man. So, like... Was that a point where it was hard not to have a drink because, you know, you've got this day off that you're just, you don't know what's going on. Would that be, have been a point where you want to kind of just make, make all that go away? Yeah, 100%. And usually, you know, in the past, like that's what I would do if something was stressful. I would, that's yeah. the first thing I would do. So, you know, yeah, it was a different. coping mechanism. So, in, but, you know, we ended up going on a roller coaster and ended up not feeling nervous for, <laughs> you know, 20 seconds or whatever it was. But it was new coping mechanisms. <laughs> yeah, roller coasters. Yeah, yeah. I those. adrenaline junkie. Now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, finding out um, that I made the team and it was, it was unbelievable. Um, but you know, you know, kind of trying, you know, changing my lifestyle and quitting alcohol, and that was kind of something when that's when it started to set in that you know I can I feel like I can truly be a role model for you know, the indigenous kids across Canada. So, you know, absolutely. That's a big deal. And that's, I mean, now if you look back at everything you've experienced, it's almost like you had to go through everything you went through in order to be who you are now. And now, you know, you have this platform that is serving something that's larger than yourself. It's, it's, serving communities that need a voice like yours to say you know if if i can do these things you can do these things too whether you have an example in your family or not you can do these things yeah 100 percent. and that's exactly kind of the message the message that i share with them um you know it's kind of you know because i go to a lot of I, I went i've gone to a lot of communities over the past year and you know some remote and some are not and um basically just sharing that you know you can achieve anything that you set your mind to you know it doesn't matter where you come from you know i came from you know come from ballard uh and you know it's a community of less than 100 people (laughs) and how do they receive you when you when you go there you know is it does it seem pretty foreign to them are they really excited to learn about what you've experienced you know there's they're super excited you know every every experience that i've had in every community there's always you know, all the, all the kids are super, super pumped. I know, I remember when I went to the Olympics and I was getting tagged on Twitter and Facebook and there was this uh, reserve in, in um, just outside of Detroit on the, the Canadian side, Walpole Island. And yeah. they ended up getting t-shirts made with the Fed Lequette number oh. four on it and their entire school was wearing them during the Olympics. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. That's awesome. And, that's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And that was kind of something that, you know, I'll never... You know, I'll never forget. And I ended up going to their their school after the Olympics, and they invited me there. And um, you know, just having experiences like that. And I didn't even know, I didn't even realize that you know the impact that I had when I was at the Olympics. Like I oh. kind of like I was like, oh, this is cool. Like getting all these like Facebook messages is awesome. You know, getting tweeted at all this all this stuff. And 
Um, and thought it was pretty cool, but I didn't even realize the impact I had until I came home and started going to these communities and seeing the, the smiles on the kids' faces and all their questions. And, you know, I've met people and like, I've, like, I've met people and they started crying. Like, it was just like things like that. Oh, right. you've got true fans. <laughs> You're a hero to so many people. Yeah, it's, and, it's, un- it's unbelievable. And I just, I honestly, honestly can't believe it. <laughs> Is wow. that Classroom Champions? Uh, a part of that program of going to schools or how does that no so we definitely want to we want to talk about that as well yeah so, so no the tell us about classroom champions yeah so the um i i'm a mentor for the classroom champions uh it was started by an american bobsledder actually uh steve messler and uh he had started to pair up olympians um to mentor i guess classrooms across you know north america so there's different types of olympians there you know there's um, I guess there's track athletes and there's um, skeleton athletes and and things like that from both Canadian and uh, uh, American Olympians and he uh, I guess we're we're paired up with with different types of schools. They had started a, a program called the Circle Program, so that matches me up with you know all the Indigenous um, classrooms that want to be part of Classroom Champions, and that gives them the available. Uh, I guess they're just available to I just they can access a mentor and you know i mentor about i think maybe like eight classrooms right now and each month we talk about different types of virtues um you know humility respect and whatnot and we have you know one topic and you know i I send in a video i chat about it what it means to me and you know i give them like some type of homework to complete and uh they they watch the video they do their homework and the teacher puts it on the Google Plus page and I go to t- take a look at it. So, you know, I kind of mentor them through that way. And then twice a year, once or twice a year, we do like a kind of a Skype call because, you know, my classrooms are pretty much all over kind of Saskatchewan, uh, Whitehorse, Alberta and BC. Yeah. So and then I have a school actually that's in Calgary uh, called P2E's Family School. So I have a couple classrooms there. So I'm able to go and, you know, go. Um, you know, go to their classroom and the kids and see the work that they're doing there. But uh, yeah, no, it, the classroom champions it, it just pairs it pairs Olympians uh, with different schools across Canada. Uh, that well, that's, that's super cool. Yeah, super cool. That for I guess for kids that you know don't have that type of that don't have access to exposure. those exposure. Yeah, yeah. Mentors they, that they wouldn't have other they wouldn't have an awareness of athletes and what they're doing and who they are and the work ethic and the values and all of that unless this if this program didn't exist yeah so it's the kids are the kids are awesome to do that but you know the stuff that I've been doing with it's kind of it's been separate um so I do the classroom champions during the school year and the stuff I did the communities have you know emailed me or they have sent me a Facebook message or something like that asking me to come to their community and then we just set something up through there so I've done that's amazing that's great yeah it's, it's on so it, great experience is that what you want to continue to do what's next for you are you are you going through another quad for another olympics what what is what's in your sights now um yeah well I want to continue doing the the mentoring and um classroom champions and and speaking and whatnot um and for the next quad I'm I'm hoping to that's kind of what um you know what I'm hoping to to kind of achieve over the next four years. So yeah, we'll see. Nice. Well, let's, uh, I'm going to wrap up with a few questions here just so people can get to know you a little bit better. Um, and is there anything that's kind of unique or interesting about you that most people don't know? Maybe a former roommate knows, but anything interesting that you want people to know about you that most don't? Oh man. Um, <laughs> I'm a very clean person. <laughs> nice. Very tidy. Very tidy. Come to our house. Yeah. That's All right. Awesome. Yep. Um, that's good. That's and a virtue. About, yes, we like <laughs> that. We like that a lot. Uh, oh. What about favorite food or dessert? Uh, my favorite dessert would be banana cream pie. Oh, one of our kids would just adore you. Yeah. yeah. Or fight you for the dessert. One of the two. <laughs> he's, he's the hockey player, by the way. So Awesome. Um, and just the favorite food would be my mom's homemade pizza. 
Oh yeah, we love a good homemade pizza. That's awesome. Yeah. What about uh, what about favorite movie or movies? Ooh, favorite movies. I mean, I, I have honestly have so many favorite movies. I watch a lot of movies, uh, but I would say possibly The Wedding Singer. And, the Wedding Singer. Yeah. <laughs> love that movie. Don't jinx the band. <laughs> love it. That's love great. It. That's so great. <laughs> Or or and blow, Johnny Depp stars in that one. Oh, oh, I haven't seen that. I don't think I've seen that. It came out in like maybe the early two yeah. thousands. I have. I, I, I'm betting though. you that Kari's seen it because she forgets just almost gonna... every movie that we've watched. So it's <laughs> no. wonderful. You just put something on it; it's new again. Shut up! <laughs> it's true. No, it's, it's just it's because of the last <laughs> decade has been so intense. I have to delete some things out of my brain. But All prior right. to that, I remember the lines to every movie i ever watched <laughs> like dumb and dumber yeah. and you know anyway what about favorite book are you do you like to read do you have favorite a book, book um, recommend honestly don't have a favorite book i have just i read oprah's book that's probably the last book oh, that, neat. I, that, I, yep. that i read but i haven't read that and do you have other hobbies outside of of hockey and what's what are some things that you like hmm. to do i love to golf um, but mostly nice. I spend a lot of time with my family. Um, I taught myself how to longboard a couple years ago. Sweet. So I do a lot of that oh. in the summertime. Where? Honestly, anywhere. <laughs> it's just like a, you know, a longboard is just kind of like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Board, basically. But like typically, well, I don't know about Calgary, but Winnipeg's roads are. Oh, it's awful. You can't. Just not conducive yeah. for that. No, so. terrible roads. But Calgary is nice. Yeah, there's a lot of different yeah. paths here. So. Um, and then what do you like to listen to to kind of get you into pregame or the kind of state or mood that you like? Oh, man, I listen to every every genre, to be honest with you. I think in team sports, you kind of have to because you get so many different flavors from people's tastes that you almost have to be able to tolerate. I've also been the DJ of, of the national team for the past few years. so. Uh... <laughs> really i think basically because i'm the go. first one to plug my phone in so i think that's kind of why but yeah you know i love yeah, music you, you took the responsibility yeah. that's good and what about uh what tips do you have for young up-and-comers in in the sport female hockey players would what, what would you say if you had to give a piece of advice i think just you know have fun and you know make sure you're having fun in what you're doing and uh and work hard mm -hmm. that's it's it's a nice combination because a lot of people don't realize they can still have fun and things can be hard work and it can still be fun you know that's great yeah they can go together yeah exactly well we uh, are so uh grateful that we got to spend some time with you and and get to know you and your story a whole lot more because this is uh it's been just so easy and such a pleasure for us and um and i know that this is going to make a huge difference for other people so thank you thank you very much thank you so much for having me it was our pleasure and anyone looking to find bridget you can get her on instagram or twitter at b-r-i-g-l-a-c-q-u-e-t-t-e and Bridget, absolutely, like Kari said, thank you so much. The way you shared and opened up about your ups and downs is inspirational for everyone listening, I'm sure. So thank you again. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening. To get more support in living your best life, find us in our free Facebook community, Empowered Top Performers. We're on Instagram at Paul Durden and at Empower Conditioning. Please share this podcast and rate us. A five-star review would mean the world to us. That is how we connect with and support more people to excel in sport and life. Take what you learned today and try it. Progress is perfection.